0: Welcome back to another Edge God in podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button today to Edge God in to your mind, your will, and that crazy place of our emotions. You can visit us at our main site at edgegodin.com. You will find previous podcasts along with a downloadable One sheet to help you capture the learnings. You'll also see the scriptures that are used in each one of the podcasts. There are many groups that we've heard that have grabbed these podcasts and made small group Bible studies out of them. So feel free to download that one sheet to capture your learnings and transfer them into your behavior. We have an opportunity with the gift of each new day to do more of something and to do less of something as we have the intention to grow in our faith and our love and relationship with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, you are therefore Christ's ambassador, and he is making his appeal through you. If you choose to make yourself available. One of our foundational verses that Edge got in is Galatians 5.1, which says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Stand firm. Do not allow yourself to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Today's title for our podcast and focus is simple. Don't worry. Jesus is in charge. Our learning objective when you walk away from today's podcast is you will have the opportunity to investigate key scripture verses that reinforce the truth that God's got this. And you. This particular focus has to do with establishing or giving permission to the authority of God within our lives to overcome worry and anxiety, fear, self-doubt, pride, which is often in, in nature you often see. Uh, posturing behavior of animals to make themselves come across bigger than they actually are. And we do that as human beings. It's pretty funny watching it, that there's many human beings that are posturing themselves to make themselves appear that they're bigger than they actually are. And in God's eyes, we're all grasshoppers. (laughs) And in terms of the metaphor of how small we are and how big God is, and oftentimes we allow What's going on around us to be bigger than our remembrance of the hugeness of God within us? Who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that God has already overcome all that you feel has overcome you today. And as you look around our world, there are plenty of opportunities to get spun out of peace. We've done podcasts in the past, a couple podcasts before, talking about the one thing that Satan uses as trickery to make you ineffective for God. And that's to steal your inner peace. He's after your peace today. And Jesus is always after reclaiming your sense of peace that passes all human understanding, whereas it doesn't make sense. And I personally can witness to the power of that as we toss ourselves into the lap of Christ in the midst of conflict, in the midst of war, in the midst of not knowing, not understanding. When we come back to the one who does understand, that's when our peace remains intact. Mother Teresa was huge on her mission of speaking about maintaining a peace, no matter how much suffering is surrounding you, so that you could be effective for the work of God. So it's our intention with today's podcast that there will be some scriptures, perhaps some phrases that the Holy Spirit will say through me, that will remind your mind of what your soul always knows. God's got this, and he has you. Our newest project has to do with emotions. When we give our feelings more authority than the facts found in the scriptures, the holy scriptures, we get hijacked very quickly by what's going on outside of us. Emotional Intelligence in Christ is the project that we're launching. You can learn more about that project at Christ.com. We're actually getting closer to launching our first course from that specific mission, Christ.com. Feel free to explore that. If you're having difficulties being aware of your own emotions, managing your own emotions, being aware of other people's emotions, and managing other people's emotions in a way that honors God by loving others well as Jesus did. So let's jump in, see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sweet Jesus, you have all authority, all power belong to you on heaven in heaven and on earth. And we forget this. The world screams and you whisper. The world demands and is greedy for our attention and our focus. Satan uses it as trickery, as a tool to keep us distracted so that we focus more on what's going on in the world around us than we do on the power of your presence within us. We want to be effective for you, particularly now in the midst of war, in the midst of uh, war within our own minds, between our two ears, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of fear, in the midst of self-doubt, in the midst of being hijacked by pride and greed and selfishness. We choose you. You're constantly beckoning us back to begin again with you. So today, we pause. We get off the stage of our mind that is constantly being tempted by Satan to be spun into that place of lack of peace, that place, void of peace, that place of fear, self-doubt, and worry. Bring us back, Lord. Bring us back today. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, the listeners that are tuning in today. I pray for each one of the listeners today, right now, where where they're at listening in. I pray that you would bless them with a profound remembrance that you've got their back, that they're not alone, that you know how this ends always. Give us the strength to outshine the darkness in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm pulling from two teachings that inspired my heart this week. One of them was a sermon given by a pastor from Canada. That was very profound. A deacon friend of mine sent to me, and I listened to it, and it stopped me in my tracks. Another one was this morning, actually. I felt that it went hand-in-hand to the focus that I was gaining from that one pastor's sermon. And this kind of is connected very profoundly to what he said. And so I'm pulling in some reminders from a podcast from Joyce Myers on, how to move forward or increase in life. So let's jump in. The podcast that I listened to left me with with an invitation to really lean into a scripture that I, I actually have have been reading since I was 17. However, as with the word of God, it is live, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It is alive. I've been reading it since I was 17. I'm 54 years old now, thanks be to God. And it and it speaks to the situations that we're in. Something you read a year ago might touch you very differently today. It is active and alive and sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces through our heart, soul, mind, and marrow down to the very recesses of what makes our heart beat. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is one of those verses. And perhaps you're familiar with it. It's known as the Great Commission. All authority, And this is Jesus. This is Jesus' last words before he went into the heavenly realms to the disciples in in the Gospel of Matthew. All authority, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not just some, all. Jesus is in charge of every piece of landscape of humanity, whether they be in leadership positions or whether they be People who are more in the support area of humanity doing more of what some people would consider lesser jobs, but Paul would speak back to that and say, how can the eye say to the hand, I don't need you. Everybody's needed in the body of Christ. And Jesus has authority over every human being and everything that's going on. This is no shocker what's going on in our culture today. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is an invitation, my friends, to remember who's ultimately in charge here. Perhaps you've heard me use that phrase before, before my double mastectomy. I was weeping and the doctor, the surgeon came in and lo and behold, God sent me a Christian surgeon. I didn't know that. She was recommended to me. God is the best multi-level marketer out there. She felt for my distress and got about two inches from my face as I was sobbing. And she said, hey, hey, sometimes God has to do that to us when we're consumed with our pain or we think we're our struggle. I had just been diagnosed with advanced cancer one week prior to my final divorce court date. And this was part of the treatment was the double mastectomy before two years of chemo. And I was scared. And she said this phrase to me, hey, I think we both ultimately know who's in charge here. There's nothing to fear. God gave her a word of knowledge. She didn't even know I was a Christian. But God moved her heart so profoundly that she obeyed. And she was used as a huge instrument to remind me of what I was forgetting in the, mo- the moment of fear. Wow. God is ultimately in charge here. So wherever you are today, listener, whatever you're bringing to this podcast, hear the word of God. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, therefore, so because of this or so that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What did Jesus command us? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is my command, and my commands are not burdensome, Jesus said. If you want to remain in me, obey my commands. John chapter 15. Well, what is his command? That you love one another as I have loved you. That's his command. And surely, surely, meaning most confidently, meaning don't ever, ever doubt, I will be with you always to the end of the age. This is the first declaration of today's podcast that I want to start out with as a reminder, God's got this. Whatever this is in your life, God's got it. That's the reminder I needed when I was overwhelmed with fear that I would leave my three children without a mother at 38 years old because I was told that the doctors were trying to get me five more years of life. That wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough for God. His plans overruled the diagnosis. God wins. Always, no exception, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Lean into the scripture. It stopped me in my tracks the other day because I was giving into some fear and anxiety and worry and concern. And we're not saying to not be compassionate. We're not saying don't pray for those who are suffering right now profoundly in this world. And perhaps that's you. What we're saying is don't allow your identity to be hijacked into the suffering, so much so that your peace is stolen. God does a mighty work through you, through the archway of inner peace. What's the ramification? What causes peace? What is, what is the fuel behind peace? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So we're continued to be called. Go out into the alleys, into the byways, into the dark places. Go, 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 and baptize. Spread the gospel message in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching everyone to obey everything that Jesus has commanded you. What did he command us? Not to fear, not to worry about tomorrow. He commanded us to remember that if he goes away, he will come back and, and come to get us. And he declared, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Lean into that verse, memorize it, allow the Holy Spirit to help it to come alive to ward off the attacks of the evil one who's trying to cause you to be flipped into anxiety and fear. What's the ramification of anxiety? Complaining. That was the podcast I was listening to from Joyce Myers. It was a great reminder. We just started, yesterday was Ash Wednesday, we just started the 40 day journey of Lent and it's a, it's it's a time for fasting and prayer fasting from those things that are distracting us from union with god what is it for you that you want to fast from that's a distraction perhaps it's the news perhaps it's social media perhaps it's gossiping complaining that's what the holy spirit put on my heart last week so i didn't think it was any coincidence that I tuned into a podcast talking about complaining. (laughs) Complaining actually shrinks the brain. That's the science behind complaining. Spiritually speaking, it's a lack of faith to believe that God's really got this. So we're identifying more with the struggle. So we complain about it, right? It comes from a place of self-pity, comes from a place of entitlement. I deserve better. This shouldn't happen to me. And believe me, there's no judgment here. So I went through five years of treatment. I had had plenty of days of complaining. And you would think I would learn, right? After two years of chemo, 16 16, uh, weeks of daily radiation, or six weeks of daily radiation, 14 surgeries, MRSA staph infection, double mastectomy. You'd think I'd learn, right? I say that to myself, Lauren, you know better. What are you doing? God is faithful. Stop the complaining. Complaining shrinks the brain. There's a part of the brain called the hippocampus. Every time you complain, or actually there's studies done when you're in the presence of people who are complaining, your brain restricts, shoots the blood to the back part of the brain, and you only have three choices of response when you're complaining. Basically, it causes you to be problem-focused in neuroscience. It's not interesting how God wired the brain. When you complain, you're focused on the problem. When you are in a place of gratitude and thankfulness, you're focused on the solution. You're either in the primal brain when you're complaining, only three choices of response or reactive behavior, fight, flight, freeze. When you're in the place of thanksgiving and gratitude, guess what? That nine-inch journey from the back part of your brain to the frontal cortex opens up your focus to solution. We have a God of solutions we have a God who is able to weave everything together for an ultimate good than had it not even happened. This is the metaphor of the rose in the midst of the thorns, the rainbow after the storm. This is the God we serve who is with us to the end of the age. So we complain when we forget that all authority on heaven and earth belong to Jesus and that he has our back. As you're going through Lent, I have a suggestion. If you haven't already done so, on, the, on edgegodin.com, there's a podcast entitled The Surrender Prayer. The Surrender Prayer. You can also Google it, The Surrender Novena. Surrender Novena. It's a nine-day prayer that is truly transformational, and it's all about surrendering yourself completely to Jesus. Each day has a different focus. And one that I continually pray, not trusting myself. I get hijacked way too easily by situations not working out the way I think they should. And then I start complaining and I shrink my brain and I become problem focused. Sound familiar? (laughs) Perhaps I'm not alone in the room here, the virtual room. So that's my focus for Lent. One of my many focuses, but one of them is to do a complaining fast. And to replace my urges to complain with thanksgiving and gratitude and faith. Lord, I don't understand this. And I know that all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to you. So you are in charge here. And it's a thought by thought choice. I'm only on day two. And I can tell you, he's definitely given me plenty of earth school material to practice that intention. What are you doing for Lent? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to do, Lessa, for 40 days? Consider how Jesus responded to that desert time of 40 days before he jumped into the mission of giving his life for the salvation of souls. Read Luke chapter 4. Lean in. He used scripture every time the devil tried to attack him. Let's do the same. Follow Jesus' lead on that. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 17 is another verse for today's podcast. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wondering what God's will is for you? Memorize First Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Rejoice always. Doesn't just say when things are going good for you. This was a challenge for me. I remember the Holy Spirit brought this to my mind. Hey, you're losing your breast, you're losing your hair, your eyebrows, your marriage. Rejoice, knowing that all authority, even over the cancer, even over death, has been given to me. And pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus was a neuroscientist. God is the ultimate neuroscientist, meaning they understand the workings of the mind. God doesn't call you to anything he's not going to give you the grace to do. So when we read Rejoice Always, that means always. I remember thinking about this one day when I was in fetal position, after a difficult chemo, and I was really identifying with the struggle and the pain in my body. And I heard the small, still voice of God just whispering to my soul, reminding me of this verse that I had memorized when I was like 22 years old: "Rejoice, Lauren. I'm with you. Pray continually. This is your. This is your spiritual. This is your spiritual." Victory, it walks through the archway of rejoicing always, praying continually and give thanks in all circumstances when things are going good and even when they're not because you know that I'm ultimately in charge here. Another verse is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. It's another great verse to memorize. We're stepping into 40 days to reflect on the life and death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lean in, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a very holy time to push the reset button, to rededicate your life in service of Jesus, to continue the Great Commission. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because when we're anxious, guess what happens? We complain. I don't know about you, but when I'm anxious, I start to complain about my situation. I start to become problem-focused versus solution-focused. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious. God's got this. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Philippians 2, 14 through 16, just totally calls us out when it comes to complaining. And part of the definition, by the way, and I said this in another podcast of complain, actually means to remain, to stay overnight, to to remain. Not in Jesus, to remain in your problem. It's the opposite of John chapter 15. That part of the definition of complain means to remain. What happens when I'm complaining? I'm stuck. I'm totally stuck. And when you're stuck, you can't tune into available resources. Mentally speaking, your mind is shrunk. Complaining shrinks the brain. And you only have three reactive responses, fight, flight, freeze. When you do believe that God is ultimately in charge, ultimately in charge, victory is yours. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. There you go. You can just drop the mic on that one. Boom. Boom. So that, right? This is a big so that. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I have one of my mentors in in life is Phil Hodges, and I just listen so closely whenever he speaks. He's a co-author of Lead Like Jesus Revisited, an awesome book, by the way, if you haven't read that one. And he brought that point up so that why are you doing what you do? So that, so that what? So that God is glorified. Anything that you're doing, just add those two words to it. So that do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Sound familiar? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Perhaps one of your practices for Lent is to memorize more scripture. So when you are tossed into the ring of life and you come face to face with an opponent, whether it be the opponent of fear, self-doubt, worry, ego. Ego's a big opponent to take down, my friends. I'm constantly working on that every day. That's giving more authority to what I think, what I want, what I need, rather than surrendering myself as Mother Mary did. May it be done to me according to your will. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure. You want to become blameless and pure? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So my challenge for myself, and perhaps feel free to make this your own, is do a complaining fast. See how long you can go, how many hours you can go before words tumble out of your mouth that are problem-focused, that are self-pity-focused. I wrote an article online called Eight Ways to Throw a Successful Pity Party. If you're going to throw a pity party, it might, might as well be a good one. And I, I, I threw a lot of good pity parties during those five years of treatment, I can assure you of that. So I'm writing from experience, and you get nothing out of that. You stay stuck. You remain How about doing everything without grumbling or arguing? So what is your muse? Perhaps it's driving in traffic. Can you imagine driving in traffic without grumbling or complaining? Perhaps it's at your job. You don't feel that certain things are fair. What's your muse when it comes to complaining? It's really a faith crisis. Complaining is what caused the 23,000 people to be consumed in the Old Testament because of complaining. So God sent serpents to bite them, and they perished because of complaining. Oh, I wish I can go back and eat what I ate before and getting tired of the quail and the, the bread from heaven, the uh, wafers. Can't we get something else? So that was back then, and he sent serpents. Now, when we complain, we actually create the own, the, the serpents serpents come along with complaining. So if you're going to complain, just know you're you're opening up a portal for Satan to just send in a little serpent to twist you out of God's peace. Yeah, you're right. This is horrible. Now, Joyce Myers made an interesting point. She gave an example that she was working out and she was like sweating and on her fifth, fifth mile walking and her husband walked in and all of a sudden she noticed that her husband, um, when her husband walked in the room, she started Oh, man. Wow. Just started kind of groaning and the Holy Spirit convicted her and said, what are you doing? Do you ever complain by yourself? Think about that. We, we and, and that kind of gives testimony to the reason why we complain. It's self-focused because we're trying to get attention for our flesh. Look at me. I'm working really hard here. Throw me a bone. And God and Jesus is calling us to die to our flesh. Take up your cross. Follow him. Revelations 118. When you do get afraid, remember Jesus' words in Revelations 118. Another powerful one to remember. Do not be afraid. This is the risen Lord. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, raised from the dead. Our living Lord, This really hit me the other day. I've I've read Revelations 1:18 tons of times. It stopped me in my tracks when I was reflecting on Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is, again, the risen Lord. This is his send-off to his disciples. Again, to John, his disciple in Revelation one18 Don't be afraid because I'm the first and the last. I know how this ends. I'm in charge here. I'm the living one. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. He admits here in Revelations 118, hey, I was dead and now I'm alive. That, that, what more testimony do you need? <laughs> Revelations 118. Revelations 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega who was and is and is to come. Now, the podcast previous to this one is who does Jesus say he is? If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that because there are seven key points in the Gospel of John of who Jesus says he is. And we could rest our confidence on each one of those verses. Jesus is in charge. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. There is no shocker what you're going through here. God adores you right smack in the middle of it, and he loves you enough not to leave you there. And he knows if you are problem-focused on what's not working out around you, if you are fear-fueled, he knows that you will be unproductive. He knows the biology of the brain. The brain will shrink and you'll only have three choices. It's like Gollum in the cave when Tolkien created the word Gollum for the creature that he used in the Lord of the Rings to describe the man who had lost himself to the fetish. That's, that's, the, that's the definition or that's the etymology behind the word Gollum. A man or woman who's lost themselves in the fetish What's your fetish? Is it what you're seeing on the news? Is it something personal? For me, it was a diagnosis for a while, but I'm very bumped by the suffering in Ukraine. And the Holy Spirit continually reminds me to stay close, to remember that he has authority over all of this so that I can be effective and powerful in my prayers. Sometimes I've thought, well, I have to be depressed or I have to be um, uh, downcast or fearful or anxious because then that shows I care. And God got very clear with me when I was going through advanced cancer and divorce. That is not a place where you will produce good fruit in my name. That's the seed that fell along the path and was scooped up by. The birds of the, of the world, fear, self-doubt, worry, or the rocks or the thorns, I want you to be planted in good soil so that no matter what is happening around you, your identity is grounded in me. And therefore, victory and peace become a constant in your life. One of my favorite saints is St. Saint Teresa of Lisieux. She died in her early 20s. Her writings are profound, but one of the things that, one of the statements that she says, and I actually have this written on a, um, in a little booklet, and I often stop and remind my mind of this statement. She said, even though she died of tuberculosis at a very young age, her, all of her writings were about the love of God and how much God loves and adores us. Some of her final words, Jesus is ultimately in charge. And she had a statement. She said, my way is all love and confidence, all love and confidence. And she experienced profound suffering. I started to read some of, the, some of the writings on previous believers and saints that had gone through severe suffering when I was going through advanced cancer. And she was one of them that I landed on. And she was able to declare in the midst of suffering... My way is all love and confidence. How is that possible? Do you know what it's like with tuberculosis? I looked into it. It is not a pleasant way to leave this earth. And yet her faith stood firm all the way to the end. Did you ever notice that on the cross, Jesus never complained? In fact, his victory came in the praise and the trust in God all the way through. Let us today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, place our confidence in the one who has all authority on heaven and earth. And that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, by the way, as a follower of Jesus Christ, lives in us. Let's declare that over whatever it is that you're going through today. Don't worry. Jesus is in charge. Don't remain with your problem, remain in Jesus, who said, I am the vine, you are the branch. Remain in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. In Joyce Meyer's podcast, she says that we hinder the work of angels and the Holy Spirit when we complain. As I mentioned, God can't move in a heart that does not believe. Jesus declared this when he left his hometown and said, a prophet is not honored in his hometown. because of." And it says because of their lack of faith, there was very little miracles, very few miracles that took place. Jesus declared again and again, your faith has made you well. Our faith increases when we truly, truly believe that he is the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is to is to come he is the almighty. Our faith increases and we are not afraid when we know, we know that He is the first and the last, that he was dead and behold, now he is alive. Our faith increases when we toss our entire identity into his lap. So may we do that more today than yesterday. Think about what you want to do more of and less of to grow in your faith these next 40 days of Lent or actually 38 days of Lent, make it a practice. Perhaps it is a complaining fast, along with a fast from other things that distract you from the power of God's work in your life. Give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side. And Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would bless our ability to remember who's ultimately in charge here. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I look forward to our next podcast together. Again, visit us at edgegodin.com. Check out that podcast, Who Who Did Jesus Say That He Was? This is the podcast before this one. And make God recognizable. Outshine the darkness. God bless you.